Hello and welcome back. This is episode 45 of the Nonsense Podcast by What Makes Sense. This week we have on Matt Vernon of Alive and Well, which is a San Diego-based pop-punk band. And uh, Matt is the lead singer and guitarist of Alive and Well. So it was an absolute privilege to have him on. Uh, Mike, their bassist of uh, Alive and Well, um, he's recently become a friend of mine throughout this uh, odd year where everybody's been disconnected and um, got me in contact with Matt. So I appreciate that, Mike, if you're listening. Thank you very much. And so um, back to Matt. So Matt is actually a career musician who also splits his time with Alive and Well. Um, and so we go a little bit into what it means to be a career musician and, uh, you know, and what it means to be a career musician in this uh, very odd time that we're in. He also has his own home studio and runs some of, um, you know, runs some recording uh, operations out of there as well. And also uh, some mastery and producing, you name it all. The man's a, a human Swiss army knife. So uh, that was very cool to talk to because uh, uh, talk through because um, I think that's something I'm very interested in. And I think that's something a lot of people have gotten into as a hobby uh, through this whole uh, quarantine with the pandemic. And so um, I think before uh, we go into the interview, I just I actually have some exciting news. And so this week, for the first time ever, we're going to be starting to feature musicians um, that we think everybody should know about at the beginning of our episodes. And so this week we are uh, we have the privilege to have a band called The Sparkle and the Fade, which is uh, a pop punk band out of Connecticut, and their song "Not the Enemy" be featured at the beginning of this episode. And we'll do a little bit of a uh, clip for you guys. But what I would ask everybody listening is that if you enjoy the song. Please go listen to it on Spotify, go listen to it on Apple Music, um, you know, anywhere you get your music, anywhere you can access The Sparkle and the Fade. And um, yeah, and then go engage with The Sparkle and the Fade online if you enjoy their music. I think really the reason I wanted to start this podcast was not only just to meet more people, but also to, uh, you know, with my limited platform, provide as much exposure to bands as, uh, as I could, because I know... Um, you know, that's really, that, that's how the community works. And so please check out The Sparkle and the Fade. This is their song, Not the Enemy. And right after that, we're going to be hopping into the episode with uh, Matt Vernon from Live and Well. Enjoy the episode, and we'll see you in two weeks. I'm 
sure you guys aren't getting a whole lot of snow in San Diego? <laughs> no, not much. I'm, yeah. I'm from the East Coast originally, and it's one of the reasons why I left oh, no to get the hell away from that uh, that weather. Yeah, I'm sure you don't miss it. Uh, where were you from originally? It's funny. I, uh, I I had a chance to go back. I listened to uh, your episode with Jeff Todd. I'm from the same yeah. town, uh, or like a, uh, two towns over. We and him worked at the same Best Buy, so him from I Call Fives, and I was in a couple other bands. But yeah, I'm from South Jersey. I grew up in the South Jersey Philly punk scene, hardcore scene, toured with like metalcore bands. And then 2012, I was like, I can't last another winter. <laughs> if I go one more winter, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it. So I, I moved out here uh, back then. You, uh, you're living a, uh, a Wonder Years song, basically. Oh, yeah. I, that's, <laughs> uh, I am a walking pop-punk stereotype of, I yeah. hate my hometown, I'm getting the hell out of here, <laughs> I'm going to California. Yeah. <laughs> that's great, man. So, it sounds like, yeah, you were pretty involved back then. So, like, were you in any bands in South Jersey and Philly? Like, what was the uh, scene like back when you were there? Yeah, man. I, I've I've always been... I mean, I, I was always musical. I ended up, I ended up going to college for uh, music performance for trombone and uh, jazz and classical trombone is like my main instrument and still, still is kind of the thing that I, I play for bands out here uh, for like working bands. Um, but back then I was like in high school. So I played guitar in like a three piece pop punk band. And if you play trombone, that means you're going to end up in a ska band at some point yeah. in time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did that. And I ended up in this band called Dirty Larry, who was like, they were like a progressive ska band. They were into like RX bandits and really this like cerebral, uh, progressive. Like we we had breakdowns and we scream, we had you know, we had screaming, but we also had a three piece horn line. Um, and th- they were all like much older than me, so like I was still in high school, and they were like touring and playing regular shows. So like I remember they dropped me off before my SATs, and I was <laughs> drunk. I took my SATs drunk the first time because they were just, and I was the youngest guy in the band, which meant I was like the whipping boy of things. So they were always yeah. like, drink this 40 of whatever we just found in the back of the van. So uh, I cut my teeth with those guys. But um, from there on, I, they they, were, they played Warp Tour. So I had a chance. To, and I, I went from being trombone player to trombone player and guitar player to lead singer uh, and guitar player. So I like, I, I eventually like just moved through the band into the place where I was like, then part of like songwriting and lyric writing and um, and by that point, we you know we got a chance to play Warp Tour. We were buddies with Valencia, so nice. um, they were kind of like our, our brother band from Philly. So we'd play a bunch of shows with those guys. But yeah, um, I've been I've been screwed ever since because like from high school to start with a, a band <laughs> and kind of get thrown in that world, yeah. I was like I'm never leaving. And now I'm 33 and uh, still can't stop. <laughs> That's amazing. So what an you know what a I I'm not odd but like unique progression where you go from brass to you know a, a guitar basically and singing and all that um how did that all come about where did that start um I mean it I always kind of uh I started playing horn like when I was in like fourth grade and it was always something that like I as soon as I realized that I was like pretty okay at it i was getting into like uh like all all state bands as soon as i started realizing your teachers would cut you slack so i could like cut class or fuck off in some way (laughs) but they're like yeah well you know uh, he's probably working on this thing and he's doing good for the school and then when i got into high school that that completely took over where i was like i don't care about anything else but music and (laughs) i'm also being fed this thing by the school system i was i was putting on uh no credit status my senior year because my the band I was playing with was going through so many like you know weekend runs and out of state shows 
that I was missing so much school that one of my teachers put me on new credit status, which means you got to go back during the summer. It's like summer school, but oh. you just have to make up the time. And I went back and I talked to one of the teachers and they were like, well, can't you get like, where were you? And I'm like, do you want me to lie or do you want the truth? They're like, yeah. maybe you were auditioning for one of the colleges that is going to make us look good for you getting in. I went, yeah, yeah. And our, our drummer got accepted <laughs> into Villanova. So he gave me his offer letter and then we scanned it. It's like the early counterfeit days. We yeah. took his name off and put my <laughs> name in. But anyway, so the, the point was it, like it had been built in and then I ended up going to school for music as a performance major. I was having like I would play Thursday nights with like a punk band or go to some punk hardcore show and I get like a black eye. And then the next day I'd play with an orchestra where I was wearing a tuxedo with a trombone and I'd still have a black eye and people were like, what happened to you? I'm like, I was at a concert last night and they're like, you got hurt at a concert? I'm like, it's a different world, man. Different world. Yeah, I was having fun. <laughs> yeah, I was having fun. Yeah, and neither of the two worlds understood each other. The, the, the concert mm-hmm. guys were like, what do you mean you get hurt playing music? And then my punk fans were like, you have to put a suit on to play music? Yeah, I'm like, it's fuck? two different worlds, but I like both of them. How do you mosh in a suit? Like, how the fuck do you do Exactly. It's <laughs> not good for it. <laughs> That's very cool. So you're very, you're very much living a uh, a double life there for quite some time too. Yeah, I still, I still am without here. I mean, I haven't. Uh, I, I work for a booking agency that like they they book all the stuff. So I play for like corporate events and uh, private parties and stuff. But uh, uh, well, up until Corona, my my booking agent called me yeah. on the 14th of March and said everything is gone. I was booked out to New Year's Eve. He's like, it's all gone. So oh. I still have that double life thing, but I like that one night I'll play in a resort or some kind of cool place, and the next day Alive and Well will do some dive bar. And, and if anything, I, yeah. I might be happier losing money and being in a sweaty room of uh, of drunk people. But that's that's I like to have both options. Yeah, you get to basically do what you love. Know you'll have, you know, a a secure, you know, occupation in doing it for the yeah. most part, you know, on on one half. But then the other half, you get to, like, enjoy, you know, what you really want to do. Or not what yeah. you really want to do, but you get to enjoy um, just no pressure, you know, just playing a show in front of, you know, your friends and in, like, an awesome fucking dive bar. Man, that's one of the things I miss, too, is, like, oh, being able to just... Uh, <laughs> I saw, uh, I think it was like a post the other day that I think described it pretty well. And it was like, I really miss the feeling of month old beer sticking to my shoes as I'm <laughs> sitting and watching my favorite band play. Just never just thought something... you quite missed that. Or, the, or the, no. the smell of, not like somebody threw up in the room, but in an adjacent room. Someone threw up <laughs> yeah. in a nearby room, so it's lingering. Yeah, and, it's and in, now in I, the rafters. I would kill for that. <laughs> I would kill yeah. for that smell now. Yeah, I'm like, I haven't smelled the smell of like musty cheap beer in almost over a year like that's yeah, so strange it's it's very weird when you when it was something that i don't think I, the majority of us i don't think we really took it for granted so much as we just we didn't think it was going to be taken away um yeah, so it is definitely an interesting time yeah yeah and but i do i feel very confident i know i've, I've talked to you know i'm sure you've talked to plenty of people too where it's some people are like it's never coming back. Some people, I can't see a world where it wouldn't come back. People Impossible. are going to need yeah. that, and and if anything, it might be like this big resurgence of of you know people actually appreciating an opportunity to go out and do something. So I'm hoping this actually leads to like a big renaissance of like local shows and cool music coming back. Yeah, I was saying, I was like, you know what may end up coming back? This is a huge stretch, but like the VFW Hall show. 
Oh. <laughs> like, I want to see that come back. I want to see VFWs, Mason Lodges, just like dude, people we, going we, to shows for the sake of shows. We came out. Uh, so Mike, Mike Millay, my, my, my brother. Oh, he's the man. Margarita Mike. Margarita Mike. I, I call him Mayor Mike at some point. He's the kind of guy that, like, you can walk into a room, any, whether it be a bar or a restaurant or a venue or whatever it might be, and he's just shaking hands and kissing babies. And he's just, <laughs> he knows everybody who knows everybody. Uh, if music doesn't work out, I see him going into politics at some point. But when, when uh, he got out here, I guess, a couple years before I did. So when we met, we met in a very a bizarre way where he uh, – like through Craigslist, somebody posting about like, I'm trying to start a band. And then I responded to it and we listened, we traded songs and then, um, and it felt, we didn't ever really kind of did anything with it. And then I had to, you know, I got a job and got, you know, went, went broke. So some, like a year went by and then I ended up like in this restaurant bar on New Year's day and I was completely hungover and I didn't <laughs> want to talk to anybody. And I just had my head down. I'm like, I just gonna, I'm going to eat. I'm going back to bed. I'm going to die. And uh, my friend was like pointed up. He's like, "There's a guy over there with a chariot hoodie." And the, the band, the chariot, is like such a a, a, a rare thing so to sick. see in public. Yeah. So he's like, "You got to go talk to that guy." I'm like, "I don't want to talk to anybody right now. I'm trying not to throw up. Leave me alone." And eventually, he like, I was like looking over, and he's pointing at him, and then he Mike turned around and looked at me, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Now I gotta like say something. I like pointed uh... at his hoodie and gave him a thumbs up. I was like, "Cool, man." And then he got up and started walking over to me. I'm like, "Fuck!" Now I gotta talk to this guy and we ended up immediately becoming best friends and then when uh someone left his band immediately he asked me to fill in uh and i was like yeah just shoot me an email with the songs or whatever i can start to learn and he sent me an email and it picked up on that thread from that random craigslist thing from a year before wow so like we went from like we tried to talk and then somehow universe put us back in the same room so um but anyway I, i i diverted pretty hard when I got out here, Mike was like, we should do BFW halls because he's East Coast too. Yeah. And you can't find them in California. We called like six of them and we we're like, hey, can you, uh, we'd like to book the hall. And like, for what? And we're like, a show. And they're like, no, absolutely not. Hmm. Bar mitzvah? Sure. Show? Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, what if half the people there are Jewish? Can we do that? <laughs> I was, I, we'll do the whole thing. I, I'll, we'll yeah. do the Torah. We'll do, we'll do the whole thing. But yeah, apparently if it's just. It'll be a um, proper ceremony, but. A pop punk show after it'll be there will be a punk band and maybe yeah. some moshing right what if we, you we hired a them. proper jewish wedding it looks like a mosh pit anyway i've had i've been to a bunch yeah. of them they're great <laughs> i've had great times they look like they're moshing <laughs> yeah so i mean what's the difference come on now yeah really yeah, man. that's great but yeah that's i think one of the things i'm hoping for is just um i mean not everything has to be diy obviously but it's going to take a while for, I think, people to start attending big shows. And for, you know, 100%, like, that that's reasonable. I, that makes sense. I You know, it's going to take a while for these big shows to come back. But, um, you know, small gatherings, like, you know, with people you know, I think that's, one, it's like you have that aspect of trust. And, you know, everybody, like, you know, COVID's just such a weird right. thing where it's separated us a lot and, like, it's hard to, you know, trust. Like, I don't know where everybody's whereabouts, so, like, I don't want to go hanging out with people if, you know, think they've yeah. been with other people, stuff like that. And so, you know, it's it's going to start at a lower level and then slowly build up to, I think, a really awesome climax of just, like, you know, big shows. I was also, like, op- the optimist in me wants Warp Tour to come back because there's, like, there's demand. Like, people want to go oh, see yeah. shows. <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I, that would be a great 
opportunity for them to come back. I'm surprised somebody else hasn't tried to like capitalize on the fact that there's just a bunch of people waiting for a tour like that to exist again. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody just did a ripoff version of it, got the same people. Yeah. We all still show up. I'd be there. Yeah. And um, actually, one of our friends and uh, former uh, guest of this podcast, uh, Rishi Ball, he uh, plays in a band called Eternal Boy, and he's been like building up something like that, where it is only one date, I think, or maybe a few dates, but um, not to the scale of Warp Tour yet, but it's bands that are either Warp Tour alumni or like, uh, you know, would have been would, on that would, tour. Would basically, yeah. yeah, like he over the last, I think, five years has built this. Um, it's called Four Chord Fest. He's built it up from just, you know, kind of like it wasn't necessarily DIY. It was pretty big from the start because he's a very organized and like business minded guy and he's very smart. Yeah. But he was supposed to have Blink 182 headline it this year with huh. like some 41, four years strong. Four years strong wasn't even the headliner. That was the craziest thing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And <laughs> just a bunch of huge other bands. And I was like, oh my God, like that, how quickly that built up is just insane to me. And so I think that's going to be where the next sort of uh, like Warp Tour event is going to come from is uh, Four Chord Fest. I certainly hope so because I think that uh, how old are you? I'm 26. 26. All right, I'm 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 some older than you, but I, I you're old enough to have experienced Warp Tour. And I, yeah. I, like, how how young were you when you went to your first one? I never went to one actually. Funny you enough, never went. I. Uh, oh my god. Funny I'm enough, sorry. I wasn't. Yeah, I know. It's weird, right? I was never into, like, I don't know, pop punk like that. Or, like, you know, quote, unquote, the bands in the scene. You know, right, I, right. I was in, I was big onto, like, old pop, uh, old punk rock and stuff like that. And oh, I didn't really get into pop punk until I was probably actually later in my 20s, which is fun, funny enough. Like, that's, that you is, know, you're yeah, kind of out like of range. <laughs> That's fine. So, I, I, I went the first time I, I ended up going, I don't remember how old I was, but I had to have it like adult supervision. Like my friend, really? like aunt had to like walk around with us and it was uh, green day was headlining. So I think it was like 99 oh or something like that. But I was like, wow, I was a fucking kid. And it was wow. jarring at that point in time to be like, it's, and it's just, you know, and nowadays I guess, you know, you can see whatever you want via YouTube and, and you have access mm -hmm. to things. But at that time it was right before that stuff kicked off. So, to literally just wander into the world into a world like that, I went home and I was like, "This is that's for me." Those that yeah. that that looked insane. I I want that. Like think of think of the names that were on that in bands that may have not been big because like it took bands a lot longer. I feel like back in that day to to grow because I mean you just didn't have the internet presence as you do these days, yeah. and you can't like there was no going viral i mean there was like tape sharing and cd sharing and you know yeah, radio yeah. play. you got on something yeah, maybe but, but it's, yeah. it's so hard to get into that that world it wasn't as fast and i guess also another thing it wasn't as volatile like you weren't in one out day out the other it was like if you made it you made it for a while right um, yeah they give you a chance <laughs> yeah but like all those bands back then there were probably some that hadn't even you know hit their spark yet i mean green day went on to have another 10 years at the top of their game after. Yeah, they had like, like two careers or two and a half or maybe they're on their third now at this point. I mean, they're, they're definitely oh the, like, I drifted apart a little bit, but they're the reason why I got, a, like why I got my first Squire Stratocaster and, yeah. and started learning those songs. Like that, that was very much one of the reasons I was like, okay, this, I like this thing very much. And then I had, you know, 
trombone on the other side of things in you know getting them into like you know classic rock or or you know, horn based bands even even ska some ska bands and ska punk bands there's just so many different variations and if you could go to warp tour or something like it where you're in a single day you can get exposed to these like 25 minute sets yeah. from everything things you'd never hear of or you'd never cross them it's just a great melting pot of, of a bunch of different things yeah and uh you know like for example too like I think the way it was set up was so well with like the set or yeah, with like the set times and in the, yeah. um, the, the arrangements. Cause you'd have bands that are like on the cusp of being big or, you know, Kevin Lyman maybe, you know, had a good, had good intuition about it and they put them right before these other bands that were also big at the time. For example, my girlfriend actually went to warp tour and saw a day to remember before they were like a day to yeah. remember. And uh, they were before, you know, a few other big bands and just like blew it out of the water, did incredible. <laughs> and it's going to be a while. At that we... point. Was... Yeah. You're like, these guys are different. They're, going They're built different. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> like, you know, there's not there's not a whole lot out there these days where you could see that many big bands uh, that close together all in one day. And not this kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm out in California, and it's like, uh, it's like Coachella and all this other stuff, where it, it just there's this pretentiousness to it, or an expense. Like I remember, like Coachella's even when expensive. when Warped Tour tickets were like forty five, fifty five bucks, people were like this is that's this insane. is expensive. And I was like, that's fine. Like that's I mean, that was on the more expensive scale. But there, the festivals that are in place, there's just so much to it now. And Warp Tour was definitely something that it's like you you're probably gonna get hurt. You're gonna get sun poisoning. <laughs> you're gonna get kicked down like uh in, in Philly or at Camden, the, the ones that we would go to back when I was living in Jersey, it was on like gravel rock. Like some of the stuff oh, was yeah. like if you went down, you're going down on concrete or gravel, uh dirt if you're lucky. But it was this thing where uh, you know, the year after that when when thankfully uh my parents were or my mom was enough to be like, Yeah, you're fine, just go and I'm like, All right, I'm gonna <laughs> try and survive on my own that's amazing yeah i hope something comes back like that with concerts but uh matt the reason i wanted you on today and i want to make sure we can get to this is alive sure. and well your band that you are currently playing in and have been in for what five five plus six plus almost six years at this uh, point man i guess yeah I, I think our first show our first show as a full band was in 2014 so i guess we're going on wow. november will be seven years november of this wow. year wow yeah <laughs> how does it feel um it, it just honestly i can't uh it's <laughs> my favorite thing and i love those guys like Braz gold our drummer and mike and myself so we've been a three-piece we we've just got a new guitar player our, our friend uh uh, DJ who just joined the band but prior nice. to that for the past couple of years it's been the three of us and I we were we'd gone through two lead guitar players um, and then we had uh, we were going to go on tour or record or do something and Mike we're going to go to Texas and they were like let's just do it as a three-piece the chemistry amongst the three of us are great and me as the guitar player I'm like I you know writing most of these songs I was like they're they're two guitar songs like they're intentionally supposed to be that way um, I don't want to go out on tour and not quote unquote represent the music. I sound like a douchebag saying that not have the songs be like fully fleshed out. Yeah. Um, and then the first, that first tour that we went out, we're like, all right, first of all, there's more room in the van. That's cool. There's more room <laughs> yeah. and I'm six foot three. So I'm like, that's pretty cool. Jeez. I like to have more room. Um, and second of all, it's just the, the three of us have, being in this band down to a science it, it is very much this like uh, this democratic community everybody has their job everybody has their strengths 
everybody looks out for each other. Um, like when we're on tour, it is like this, mo like this well-oiled machine of everybody has their jobs and knows what they're doing, when they're supposed to be doing it. We're all very, um, I'm, I'm somehow like, even with the professional music career on the side, I'm the least professional person in the band because <laughs> Brosgold, our drummer is all business. He does all the driving. I heard on one of your other podcasts, you guys mentioned like, how does the drummer always, drummer's end up always the drive. driver? <laughs> yeah. I, I heard, I was yeah. listening to it earlier today and I was like, that's my band too. It is every band, I guess. But Brosgold does all the driving. He takes care of everything uh, for that. Mike takes care of all the booking and talking with people. I'm, I'm very much like a, uh, antisocial in a certain sense where like I like I if there's gonna be somebody at the merch table making nice Mike again is yeah <laughs> all charisma that's the guy you want behind yeah. a merch table and I'm the kind of guy that wants to load the van to the best of its ability like we take like loading <laughs> the van like it's Tetris <laughs> like, yeah, Tet Tetris yeah. Champions. and I consider myself fucking the reigning Texas champion uh, Tetris champion I load the shit out of that thing with fraud but um so yeah it, it it is very we are the three of us are a, a, a family, a full-blown family. We love the shit out of each other. I, I don't know if um, any of us could, you know, we'll do other things and play with other people. We don't know what, what is going to happen, but we know that this is definitely like our, our, you know, one of our favorite things to do. And now we have this new guy in the band and he's brought nothing but great uh, chemistry and new music and new ideas. And um, it's a, uh, it's, it's a good time, man. It, even in the middle of all this, where you can't play a show we're somehow still really excited that we practice once a week. We're writing new songs. I, I built this recording studio and opened up a place of my own so I can now start like recording stuff. So it's, um, it's a good time, man. I love to hear that because, uh, you know, to your point too, uh, you know, music, it's, it's hard to get into one and it's hard to like sort of sustain that life gets in the way sometimes. And it just, it makes things, you know, difficult. And so, I love to hear that you guys have had this relationship for as long as you've had, like that's seven years. That's a lot of fucking time to be with somebody. And yeah. um, I know each band is different where, you know, you kind of hit that spot where it's like, wow, like we're really in a flow state right now and everybody has their role. And we all know that, um, you know, I'm in a younger band right now. We're still figuring all that shit out. And, we haven't had a, gr a big opportunity to play shows because uh, my first show that I played with them was uh, January 2020. So, oh, um, oh man, yeah, first yeah, show so we, and the no show. Yeah, we played. We still got to play. I think uh, what was it, six or five shows, something like that. That's cool. Yeah, which was fun, but yeah, it's still tough. Um, you know, you, we're we're all still trying to figure out what our roles are and I think a lot of that comes with being able to spend direct time with each other driving for 8 hours to Dude. god knows where to somebody's yeah. house to play a show. You like, go on uh, tour long enough, man, you start to realize all the tiny little nuances of how to piss somebody off or yeah. or how to make <laughs> them happy, you know when when to push somebody and when to stay the fuck away from them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and our, you know, as, as close as we are, uh, we've, our band has fought, uh, uh, with oh, each other. Right, I've yeah. been a dick before. Uh, we have like a rule, <laughs> like a tour rule where everybody gets one, everyone gets one meltdown. Uh, <laughs> I, I usually cash. I've, I've always caught uh, cashed mine in. I always get one day where I'm like, I'm fucking, I'm going to go sleep in the van for 12 hours straight. Cause I need to <laughs> get everything back together. But yeah, yeah I, th I think really more shows, more touring, but so it, are the recordings that I listened to you guys, are, are you on those or are you new, new to the band? Um, I'm on one. 
so I'm, I play bass, and uh, they have an excellent bass player. His, J- his name is uh, George Yacoub, uh, George Yacoub with a Y, um, and he he's in a few he's been in a few uh other bands and other projects like life on the sideline that's a great pop punk band i wish they were still around um fingers crossed they come back but yeah he he was just a friend because he lives in massachusetts we're in new york and um he was with them for a while but just on a recording basis he uh you know he he doesn't live in the state so he lives kind of far away but yeah absolute ripper of a bass player one of the best bass players i've ever met and um so he was in that and so he did the whole first EP. Then we did a acoustic cover, um, and I wasn't on that in any capacity for the cover because it was just guitar. And then finally, we just released our um, first ever single, and it was so cool because it was the first song I've ever been recorded on, like officially in a studio and published. Oh, yeah. and, and Is also that Skipping first... Stone? Um, it's uh, Groundhog Day. That's the oh, first Oh, Groundhog one. Day. The first... Oh, yeah. Okay, that's the yeah. first one I listened to. I love and... it, man. Yeah, it's just very it's it's a great feeling to like be like here we made this, <laughs> you know, and and I was a part of it, you know, from from beginning to end. So, um that was actually like one of the songs we were kicking around the first practice I ever got, you know, to be with them and it was kind of my audition, but I ended up, you know, everything just worked out. I uh I, I wouldn't say I live part-time in the area, but like I was living down in Jersey at that time and they live oh. up you know, in, in upstate New York, but my parents live here, which is where I am right where now. Where in Jersey? So, uh, it was Jersey City. So, you know, kind of oh, like yeah. New York Junior, I guess. Yeah, not yeah. Really, I know it's North, not necessarily owned by Jersey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's either that or Hoboken. I pretty much decided, yeah. I assume both those are New York. I, I was right on the border of Hoboken. So, like, basically, yeah, just New York it, Junior, you know. Uh, I'm from I'm from Belmar, New Jersey, the South Jersey Belmar. So, yeah, I've heard from North, North Jersey, like, there's North Jersey Belmar, B-E-L-M-A-R, which is really nice. It's right on oh, the okay. ocean. Uh, which, yeah, that's, that's North Jersey Belmar. South Jersey Belmar is spelled differently, and it's pretty much built on a swamp in an industrial park. It's That's the reason why <laughs> I hate my hometown, and now it's uh, just nothing but heroin. But I got out, shit. like, yeah, it's bad. But my whole time of growing up in New Jersey, people were like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, uh, Belmar. They're like, oh, my God, it's so nice right by the ocean. I'm like, the um, – Different body one. water. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's near the the, the swamp downtown. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're nice like time. the yeah, uh, Louisiana cool. of, of Jersey. <laughs> it, dude, it's uh, I I go back every once in a while, and I'm like, uh, this is this is getting worse. It's getting yeah. worse. <laughs> I mean, look, it's hard to compare San Diego to anything else. Like San Diego, I've only heard good things about it. Great weather. Uh, you know, like the humidity they're like there's no humidity it's always like very nice (laughs) it it uh, is it's perfect weather and now i now i have no tolerance for anything less but it was a big part of like it honestly i it's it's expensive it's a little more conservative Mm. than i thought i didn't know that when i came out but i came out on tour with a band that i was filling in for and when i played san diego la and santa rosa and then we drove back through the middle of the country in the middle of the winter and it was just different awful shades of gray and when I got back to Jersey, I was like, I am fucking moving. That's what it's like in February. Fuck this yeah. place. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I like it out here, but it it was very much like seasonal depression in Jersey where I was like every winter, I'm like, I don't know if I'm just miserable or if this is, if this is full-blown depression or if this is very much just a, a tribute of like the season. But when I came out here, like there, we, we have a whole song called No Winter in the West, which is purely just mm-hmm. about like, I moved out here going like, 
all right, if I'm if next winter I'm I'm getting you know those the, those those feelings again and and you know uh, the stinky pain that I, I get every once in a while. Like if I get in that bad state, then I'm gonna know like okay, it's a me problem or the weather. But first summer or first winter out here, I was like, oh shit, this is it's cool, it's nice, and it does it helps me at least. I I enjoy it out here. Yeah, it's huge for mood. Like I. I've been just working inside. Like I, I have no commute. I don't see the sun, and I'm like, oh my god! Like I'll I catch need... in, man. Oh, but I, you know, I'll go outside if it's 20 degrees just to get some sun. I'm like, I, I need Dude, to get out. I need to see the sun. To. But yeah, I have friends now uh, in San Diego, and they oh. are just they are living the San Diego life. They're all like, you know, uh, East Coast kids went over there, and now they're they randomly picked up surfing and you know or just <laughs> like working on their laptops outside in their like driveway i'm like very cool <laughs> yeah man well once uh once the shows get back we're gonna have to get you guys out here play some west coast shows with you absolutely yeah i've uh i've only been to california once and that was actually funny enough to see concerts i got some time off from work and i was like i've never been to california um i have couches i can crash on over there with friends and uh, San Francisco and LA. So that was a big thing where I didn't have to buy, you know, I only had to get an Airbnb <laughs> once in like the Redwood forest. Uh, cause there was, Oh, it was amazing. And yeah, I went to go see some of my favorite bands, uh, you perform say? there. I saw white Reap white reaper was headlining. And, uh, my favorite band, the dirty nil was, uh, Dude! you, you the know, dirty... them? <laughs> all right. So I, it's, we, I love the dirty nil and I got to introduce them in a very weird way. Um, uh, we were, we went to Warp Tour again. I'm sorry you haven't been there, but uh, so I had just got <laughs> Mike picked me up from the hospital. My appendix exploded at a show. What I went and fuck? saw. Yeah, it's a weird story. I, <laughs> I went and saw uh, one of my favorite bands is is, uh, is Acceptance, um, okay. and they did like a ten year reunion uh, up in LA. And I was like, I got, I fell in love with this band. Then they broke up, and I was like, when I got into them, they're like, yeah, too bad they don't exist. But here's a record. So when they got they announced their 10-year reunion i like bought tickets to like three of the shows I, I ended up only going to one and i drove up i got there early me and my girlfriend at the time i like we stopped at the only thing to get food it's like in this weird place uh in santa Ana, and there was like there's no place to eat so i stopped at this like sketchy sushi place and i ordered <laughs> i ordered i don't think that the waitress understood what i ordered i didn't think and oh, she no. she sent me she brought me instead of like rolls she brought me raw fish just a plate uh-huh. of raw fish and i'm way i i, I don't ever want to be rude and especially to people uh, in the service industry so i will just shut the fuck up and eat it so i did i ate <laughs> plate of raw fish and then we get to the show and i'm like I don't, like feel good this is weird and then i watched um the, uh, the what was it i think amoroso opened and then nice. when uh when acceptance went on i was in the worst pain of my life and i was like doubled over my chair and like my girlfriend at the time, she was like, "Do you want to go home?" I'm like, "I waited ten years for this yeah. reunion show. I'm not going anywhere." But uh, I end up going. I will home. die here. Uh, yeah, I will like, die yeah, on this I, hill. Yeah, and all the time I'm like, I I don't care. This is gonna happen. It's just food poisoning. I'll be fine. I went home and I like sweated through my mattress, and eventually like 7:30 in the morning, I was like, I'm going to the hospital. And I went in and they like checked me out and they were like, "What's your pain level?" I'm like, "I think like a six or a seven. Uh, I had I had sushi. I think it's sushi. And they're like, okay, um, Mr. Vernon, we hate to tell you this, but uh, your appendix exploded a while ago. So you're going to be oh. in surgery in 10 minutes, emergency surgery to get the thing out of you before you go septic. And I was like, look, Ooh. I am 
I understand what you're saying, but I think I just have food. Po- I'm like trying to tell a doctor. I'm like, no, I think it's just food poisoning. He's like, you think your pain's like a six or seven? I'm like, yep. And he's like, your appendix exploded. You want to tell me what's your what's your pain level? I'm like, an eleven. Fucking eleven. And then they dosed me up with morphine. I was in I was wow. in the ER in ten minutes. I was in the ICU for a couple of days. But the day I got out, they were like, you can't lift more than ten pounds. You can't do this. You can't do that. Mike picked me up from the uh, the hospital. Um, and I think the very next day we went to Warp Tour. The thing they said Let's not go. to do, I, we went to Warp Tour. We both had our strap, you know, our backpacks so we can hand out flyers and stickers and, and do what we got to do. And well, I really, I was like, I told him, I was like, I can watch from a distance for everybody. The only band I really want to watch up close is the Wonder Years. They're fucking one of my favorite nice. bands in the world. If I'm going to, um, like, and they, they told me, like, if you get hit in your, in this scar, you, you could bleed out or your stitches can come out. Like there's a lot, just, just stay home. So Mike organized people, like he's grabbing strangers and people, some people that we do know and getting people to link arms so I can stand behind them. So we can get kind of close to watch warp tours, uh, to watch wonder your sets. And then, um, so we get done and I'm like, I, just, it, it, I thought that was the highlight. And then uh, I forget what's the drummer's name of, of the, wonder the, the nil. Oh, the, no, no, no. Uh, I don't know. He's friends. Well, he Mike's friends with him because Mike's friends with everybody. So he ended up like yeah. walking over to him and he's like, "Hey, man." He's like, uh, "What's up?" And they they start talking and he's like, "I'm gonna go watch this new band that I love. You want to come with us?" And we're both like, "Sure." So we go over to like the small Ernie Ball. There's like a side stage, and then we saw Dirty Nail for the first time. And I was like, wow. "Holy shit!" Those guys put on one of the best shows I've ever seen, and that was back then. Um, but their new yeah. record just came out, and I fucking love it. Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah, and apologies to everybody listening. They've heard me. Like I'm I'm their biggest fanboy. Um <laughs> I I got to interview Kyle the drummer this year, which was like that was I was freaking out. I was trying to stay calm the whole time, but I was like Be cool, man. Shit. Be cool. Yeah, and it, but it's like not weird cuz I think it would out of all the members, I think I think I annoy the other guys, but I think I built <laughs> a decent rapport with him over yeah. time. Because I saw them back before they even released um, Master Volume, and uh, you know I was in New York City and I I saw them two nights in a row because tickets were ten fucking bucks. Wow. I was like, are you serious? I was like, I would I would do this yep. ten times over, not a problem. And um, so. I like just sat with them, like bought them beers and was like talking to them and, uh, you know, asking them about like the new album that they were working on, which ended up being master volume. And then just over time, you know, I've been first in line at all their shows in the city and stuff like that. And, uh, and you know, Kyle's always the one he comes, I mean, they all come up to me and say hi and stuff. And it's like super cool to be like, wow, they actually remember me. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) That's awesome, dude. Yeah, man. So I'm glad to hear we have another fan, and yeah, their new Hell album yeah. rules. They they deserve everything good that's coming to them. But um, that's funny that you bring up the Wonder Years. They uh, we actually had uh, Casey, their guitarist, hit us up not long ago. Just oh no way. Like, yeah, we were. I mean, he saw that we were in the studio and stuff. We got out of the studio, I think, about three weeks ago or so, and um, he was like, you know, who's uh, mastering it and all that, and. Um, our guy Chris Paquette of uh, No Boundary Studios also was yeah. a part oh, of. Oh, um... I know Chris. He uh, he oh, yeah? stayed here on tour. Yeah, we oh, put him up uh, he... when they were yeah. Trophy Wives. He said he knew Mike. Yeah, Trophy Wives. What a fucking band, man. The, I, uh, those dude, guys I was a big fan, awesome. man. We 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 were supposed to play a show with them. The show got canceled, and then and uh, Mike was living with me at the time. And we were both like, "Hey, you guys want to come stay at our house?" So instead of playing a show, we just had a 
pretty wild uh, night of drinking and yeah. partying with those guys. Uh, tequila, so. right? Uh, everything. I think we had everything that night. But yes, tequila heavily. Yeah, we're big fans. Yeah, uh, Chris <laughs> told me about that night. He was like, "Dude, did he?" We- yeah, he was like, we were supposed to do, like, an interview back then or something. He said they couldn't even publish the interview. We were so oh, messed yeah, up. Oh, yeah, I have it. You're so oh, banged oh, up. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I have the recording somewhere on a hard drive floating <laughs> around, but I listened back to it, and all of us, because it was me and Mike talking to, I think, like, four of them. Too many. It was, like, too many cooks in the kitchen and yeah. way too much booze, so it, uh, it never aired. <laughs> Be like, so what do you like about music? Thank you. Uh, like, that was great. <laughs> thank you. Great, great yeah. answer. Or they just yeah. dropped the microphone. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's that's so funny. But, yeah, I'm glad you know him. Uh, dude, Trophy Wives is an awesome band. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah, so always a privilege to go and record with him. I think we're at the point now, because uh, I was always the young, I was the young guy in the band for a while, and so and the, the guys have been going to him for some things. Um I don't know when they started going to him because they were in another band. They somehow connected with him. I always forget the story, but yeah, really glad to be working with him. He did the first EP. He did the second EP, um, or not the second EP, but like you know, we're working on that right now. Basically, is what we went into the studio with. But nice, man. we are in um, good hands with him, though. Yeah, he's. If you ever have any questions about like recording stuff, because I know you have your own studio. Um, he's always got like the, the, you know, the low down on like new equipment and stuff. Dude, just yeah. gotta... Him and I've actually talked, I, I thought yeah. about buying his, cause he had those custom six by 12 guitar cabinets built from black How market. How sick custom. is that? And I, I, so I met with the guys from black market before they ran, they went out of business. And I, I was like, we're going to do a whole live mall back line, like all new cabs with those guys. And so he has like two of like the last remaining ones. And it's got the trophy no wise like thing and they light up mm-hmm. and all this shit. So I was like, "What's up?" And I was like, "I'm I'm three thousand miles or more away from you. I don't know yeah. what it costs to ship two refrigerators across <laughs> country, but and they're not doing it. But yeah, I, I still I talk to him every once in a while. He's a great great guy. Yeah, man. Um, speaking of, I actually wanted to get to it because uh, we are we're running a little thin on time. Sure. And I didn't want to forget because uh, I did see your new music video for Two Fifty Nine Park Drive. Oh, and uh, congratulations on having that out, by the way. I know you guys, uh, Mike said you guys were sitting on it for a while, and I know yeah. you had a nice premiere. Uh, what was the name of the website that it premiered on? Uh, V13 put it out. They yes. did an interview with me about uh, a couple stories from my time at that house that I uh, hopefully, I had to edit out some of the ones that would have gotten me a, or somebody else yeah. in, in trouble <laughs> or prison. But the ones that went up, they were like, okay, it was some, some stories about the, what we did to this place, and then obviously the video and the song is very much about it. Yeah, and so for everybody listening, would you mind sharing a little background on that? Um, by the way, I do have a favorite line from that, and I was actually uh, I was driving the other day. I was telling my girlfriend about it. I said, <laughs> you got to listen to this song because it has this line that's fucking awesome, and it's, uh, what's it? My friends and I know, fuck that, me and my friends. I love that. <laughs> that is that is one of the most creative lines I've ever heard Like in a song. I. I just love the attitude that, behind that. It's simple, like a few words, but just the message it sends is just like, look, man, these are my bros. Like, this is what we do. We enjoy life. <laughs> you know, this is it. So, yeah, if you could give any sort of background on that song and, and the music video, uh, where was the music video recorded, by the way? Was it actually on location at 259? No, we, we, well, first of all, real before I, before I forget, thank you. I'm glad you like that line specifically from the tune because that, uh, 
that was like a line specifically for me. And then my brother texted me after he heard it. He's like, that's fuck it. That's a great line. Yeah. And it's me. It's a play off the fact that I'm a bit of like a grammar Nazi. And then also at the same time, like, no, like it's, it's uh, like the, the love you have for your friends. It's, it's the yeah. unorthodox nature of sometimes of, of how rowdy shit can get. Like it's, even uh, speaking incorrectly, still uh, still fits there. But either way, I'm glad you appreciated that line. But um, the video, we tried to. Right, there was a lot of ideas, and probably the reason why it sat for a little bit. But the original idea, uh, and this technically I can't tell the, the whole thing because the statute of limitations of breaking and entering is six years. But I I went back and I broke <laughs> in. So the people who bought 259 Park Drive from my mom. They, I, I guess they didn't pay their, their mortgage, so the bank foreclosed on it. So I went uh, home with an idea. Instead of doing the music video, I was going to break in to the house and then just get, like, a small, like, generator and a small, like, four-mic recording unit uh, and then do, like, an acoustic version of it, 259 Park Drive, live from 259 Park Drive in a vacant, empty room. So we, we broke into the house, um, and some, some friends of ours were, like, we're trying to map this thing out and plan it out and... Then uh, I I was home visiting for the holidays and I flew home and I was trying to like figure out how to coordinate this thing. And I was like, there's no way I can convince a camera crew or anybody else. There's no <laughs> one stupid enough to go like, all right. And I tried to figure out, I talked to a lawyer about like, what if I just assume all of the risk in this and they don't know that a crime is being committed and then it's on me. That way if I get caught, it's just my fault. And they're like, you just don't. So we're like, all right, fine, plan <sighs> B. So plan B is the video we shot. Um, and I still tried to fly home that opening set, uh, the opening shot of me like walking up the street and then opening a garage. I try, I flew home and I got stuck uh, in, in the San Francisco airport for 18 hours Holy because there was a snowstorm on the East Coast and the West Coast was on fire. So the oh, plane flew God. through smoke and they were like, when I landed in San Francisco, it was supposed to be a quick connecting flight and then it was supposed to be there to Philly. And then the next morning I had a guy who was going to come out. We were going to shoot me at the actual house. Um, so I missed the whole thing because obviously I was stuck sleeping on the floor in an airport. Uh-huh. Wonder Years lyric reference yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, so we were like, all right, we reshot that portion of it. But the whole other thing, that video was in a warehouse. All the big shots were in a warehouse in Santee, which is out, out here in San Diego. But even the the warehouse we found, we, we self-funded this thing. Um, Alejandro, our buddy who directed it, he did our video for No Winner in the West as well. And he's just been, for some reason, just a big fan of us. And he offers his services where he's like, don't pay me, take all that money and put it into the crew and put it into, we rent, you know, the, the high end cameras. We built the set. We, 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 the whole thing was like this group funded group. Uh, we just having everybody together pulled it off. All of our friends were like, hammers, nails, drills, putting stuff together. Wow. Mike spent all this time while I was working. He was driving around collecting stuff for the sets and the props. But the day, I think it was like the day before the video, we had a whole other warehouse planned. And then they pulled the plug on us. And it was like, it's wow. too late. We're doing this video. And it was very specific that we needed enough space and there needed to be no light, zero light, because it took 16 hours. So the only place we could find was next to our friend, Adam Cisco has a, a recording studio, um, and he rents it from the guy who owned the property. Uh, he put me in touch with them, and the guy's like, yeah, man, you can get it, and it's X amount of hundreds of dollars for the day. Um, by the way, there's no air conditioner in there. So it's like <laughs> September, which September in San Diego is actually the one oh. time. 
so we had to like shut the doors. We have all of these. Uh, it was the most high budget thing any of us have ever been involved with. So the lights and everything. That room cooked for like, and there's a imagine. whole crew there. There's 30 extras that we had to cram in a whole other room. And then we just, we threw a cooler of like a hundred beers in there and like three bottles of Jameson. We're like, stay in here and shut up until you're needed. And then 10 hours later, they were all completely annihilated. But um, <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was an exhausting, exhilarating, amazing experience. Cause that, that is the most nearest and dearest song to me uh, personally. Like even, even when we recorded it, we did the gang vocals and then, uh, Bo Burchell, uh was the guy who recorded it. He's the guy from Stais and So we went up to LA and recorded it. And he, without even talking about it, he like knew that that tune was important. So when we did gang vocals. He's like, Matt, like, Matt, can you just come in here by yourself? So he had me come in the control room, everybody else was in the live room. And he just played me back all, we did like six rounds of gang vocals of like different <laughs> distances and types. And then he showed me the fine, like it wasn't even mixed, but like, here's a wall of those gang vocals. At the very end, this one, uh, this one's for all my friends. And I was like, I, I've never cried before. I didn't cry, but I was like teary-eyed. And he turned around and he like nodded at me and I nodded at him. And I was like, shit. So to actually do that in a place where all of these, all of our friends came out on a, on a weekday night in a very uncomfortable situation and stayed to the bitter end until the police showed up. The cops ended up breaking up as if it was a show because we're blaring the song through a PA no system. Way. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, dude, it was fucking wild the whole thing was wild and then i completely collapsed and it was over i'd been up for like three straight days like oh. panicking because you know there's no venue there is a venue i don't you know we get just throwing money at every situation to try and fix everything but yeah. uh we pulled it off wow i that's i don't want to even i can't even compare but like <laughs> our music video like i, I can basically as sort of the the floor to what you guys ended up doing is uh we recorded our music video funny enough in september um in what's basically like a warehouse it's uh mm -hmm. our uh guitarist dad has a paving company and so he's now leasing like a, a new building so he can fit all his trucks in the winter what? and it's a practice space it was for the music video very industrial looking cool um, yeah. we've been so blessed to have it but fuck does that place get hot in the summer and so um we started the day off like shout out to brandon lane he's the guy who did the, all the video and uh also did press photos for us before that so we're all like why don't we do the photos first because it's it's mm -hmm. a 90 degree day and we're in a sweat box where you're gonna no look at that soon yeah so let's like everybody do their hair and shit we'll go get photos <laughs> So, you know, photos take an hour, two hours, whatnot, and all that. We're standing out in the sun. We're trying to head in the shade and all that. Then we get inside, uh, you know, do the music video. There were, like, kind of three segments of it, you know, a few parts and all that. Overall, it was, like, a 12-hour day. And, oh, my God, my my knees, my feet, my ankles, my, my back, my neck, because I had a part where I was headbanging, and we had to do, for continuity, oh, we yeah. had to do it about eight times. Um, <laughs> so I'm probably a little dumber from that too, but yeah, like Mom everything. concussion but, for sure. Oh God. Yeah. All, all of the above. <laughs> like I was definitely like a little bit, you know, slow the next day at work. Um, <laughs> and 
I was just like, guys, we need. Let's just take like two weeks off. Two weeks off. We don't need to practice or anything. Like, I I have this song running through my head now, twenty four seven. Like, let's just forget about it for a week, and then we'll you know discuss. Yeah. <laughs> but damn, like I I never knew. Uh, you know, until I was really in a band where this shit matters. Yeah, man. I didn't know how much going to the studio costs how much music videos cost all that and i have a huge appreciation when my friends do it and i always try to blow it up when they do because i'm like i know how much of your time how much your money uh you know how much if you had to take time off from work if you were you know like doing these late nights and shit like that i know all that it doesn't just it's not just there at the set like all this work goes into it beforehand and then promoting it too then you like once it's done the work's not even started dude (laughs) that is the most important thing i i think that's and you you really nailed like the but nail in the head with that situation so many people that and and even friends of mine that i've like talked to like you spend all this time working on the record writing the record and then you get to the studio and there's so much involved with that and really nailing these performances then, you know, there's a whole conversation about mixing it. And then people skimp out on maybe yeah. mastering. And I, I'm a big proponent of like, no, put like, put the, you're going to get what you pay for. It. And then it's people get it. done that. And they're so emotionally exhausted, financially exhausted. They're just fucking beat. And then it's like, there's a whole nother job of promoting it. And I, I, what I do really value about Alive and Well is that we've divided our jobs into a place where when I'm, when I'm like crashing, I know that Mike is like ready to pick things back up. Yeah. We're on the road and I'm like, I, like I spent all, like when we're home and it comes to like the video, video stuff or music stuff or recording, I, I live, eat and breathe that. And I beat the shit out of myself doing it. And I, 2019, we had to pretty much take off completely. Cause I, like the, the burning the candle at both ends thing. I had done that mm-hmm. all the way down to the wick to the point that I just, I fell apart. And had it not been for the fact that like taking a band and understanding like the full work level you can't just focus on a recording you can't just focus on a video yeah it has to be promoted it has to be pushed um and it's dude it's a, it's a million jobs like some of the work that i do now for other people is like people are like oh can you photoshop i'm like yeah i can record and i can photoshop and i can do oh, this yeah. and that like how i'm like because if you're in a band it doesn't matter who I've you had are to do it. Band, <laughs> you learn how i mean dude you're doing a podcast now what you're doing everybody has like all of these different skill sets that you pick up this one industry teaches you a hundred jobs yeah, it, and, you know, you're going – it's like as, as much as it is like you can get a manager, you can get a publicist and all that, it's still very much DIY until yeah. you get to the point where you're paying those people basically out of, like, the overall contract. Like, right. Green Green Day, they don't have to fucking promote their shit. Like, they don't, they're not – And they're not building you know, their set either. They show yeah. up and it's done. The rest of us, though, hammer and nails. <laughs> Yeah, and you you get these invaluable skills basically, where uh, or not invaluable, but kind of you know uh, can't really you know put a price on that that sort yeah. of skill, these intangible skills where, um, you know you you know the business side of things. You uh, a big thing I've been trying to drill into my guys' heads is um, you know return on investment. Like I I work in marketing, I you know work in business. I went to college for business, all that stuff. So like that's that's my day to day. Um, I'm just a bassist too. So like, I don't have to be that artsy. <laughs> like you just got to lay down a nice <laughs> little line and you know, I'm not the one writing all the songs. So, uh, you no, know, but that means, like, that means you're seeing an opportunity and you're going like, what am I good at? And then what can I do to add yeah. to the band? Like, what can I, what space can I fill? And that like people, 
guys like you in the band and and like i said mike mike is very much our guy where he books the tours he does that stuff when we get on the road brosgold carries so much weight about like making sure that he takes care of like the van and gets us where we need to be he knows what's going on uh, keeps us in line which is very much uh it's like two children running amok but yeah, yeah no, the fact that you're like you look at a situation like all right i play bass i'm not i'm not i don't have to struggle i don't have to work yeah. songwriting or lyrics but you're doing what you do and bring it to the band it's great it's like where I mean, like, and obviously, uh, you know, we're we're a band of four guys, so there is a weird like, it, it's it's balanced. So, uh, you know, we do we we butt heads on decisions, all that stuff, like typical band stuff. That's why you should, um, yeah. But we are, you know, like I said, we're still all coming into our roles. I think so. That's like a big thing. Is that there's a lot of unknown and uncertainty right now, and so I think you know a lot of that's going to come out when um, there's more normal things going on for a band like playing shows and touring and stuff like we're all going to figure it out but yeah um, man. i think that's that's like being in a band will teach you so goddamn much like like you said photoshop you're like photoshopping shit and stuff i got yeah that's shit that i had no idea here. that i wanted to do yeah, yeah. Like, what, what, we are did... we're graphic designers we're accountants we're uh marketing <laughs> managers we're and then at the end of all of that, then we got to get up on stage and fucking play. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Once all that's said and done, and then also after that thirty-minute set or forty-minute, whatever it might be, right back to business. It's right back to mm -hmm. then. Okay, then you got to move merch. You got to load the van. You got to set up with the venue. Then, then you got to get to the next place. Yeah, you're like a PR representative. You're shaking hands and kissing babies, yeah. like you Playing said. Playing music is, is somehow ends up being the least amount of work in the, and that's still a ton of work. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, thirty, forty-five minutes of your day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But it's but at the same time with all that being said, it's the fact that you do pick up all these like skills. Like our, our van blew up in Vegas and me and uh, uh You guys should write a song about that. That sounds like a sick song it, title. Uh, well and a whole thing too, because I lied to the person that we rented the van from and I told oh. him we were going he's like, You're not going out of state and I was like, No and then we went right out of state and he's like and he even <laughs> said like yeah, as long as you don't like go to Vegas, people take these vans, they go to Vegas, and the radiator explodes, and then they, you know, they wonder what happened. And literally, we did that. <laughs> and then, but when we got out, like our our drummer, who our, our, our Eric Brosgold fixed the radiator because we went to like a no. Pep Boys. He bought this clay patch shit, so he's fixing <laughs> a radiator. Mike's on his phone rescheduling the show because we had to switch the show from like another place back into in, into another town. So like our band and I hope that other bands do this too, is that like you really start to learn about the people you're playing with when shit goes wrong and you mm -hmm. see how they handle it. The guys who like flip out or get pissed off. Like if you're in a, in a, a local band or like an undiscovered touring band or unsigned band, like shit's going to break. Shows are going to get canceled. Yeah. Your band's going to get stolen or robbed. You know, people are going to get sick. They're going to break. They're going to drop out of the band. All of this shit just happens. And the people who roll with it, and just kind of take their punches and keep moving. Those are the ones that just uh, they'll, they'll keep doing it, and and hopefully they do it because they love it. But um, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful world of people who learn how to do a ton of shit. Like I don't know if, if my if our drummer would have known how to fix a radiator had he not already blown a van up in some other part of the country yeah. with a different van. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, you get these weird skills just from experience, just from the, it's like. Yeah. Traveling, basically. Traveling without all the uh, amenities. <laughs> Try on there, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we are coming up on time, and so uh, one of the last two things we really do on every episode is 
Um, one, we have you shout out some, you know, either local bands or bands you've toured with or bands you think people should know about. And then part two, um, I saw on your your Spotify, uh, like, headline photo, so this is good news. I see you guys are beer guys. Uh, I know Mike oh, yeah. also works at a pretty nice bar. Uh, he's a big fan of the hazy IPAs. I love that shit, too. So um, <laughs> we do a beer of the week. And oh. So, uh, yeah, so part one, bands, and then part two, beer of the week, and then we'll close it out, man. Sweet, man. All right, well, I guess for bands, I have a, I have a deep, deep love and affinity for um, – I guess my favorite San Diego local band is a band called the Montel Jordans. They're buddies of ours. Yeah, yeah I've I'll, heard of I'll them. let that name kind of sit for with you. It's the Montel Jordans, not to be confused with Montel Jordan, but yeah. they just put out a new record. Um, uh, I guess well, like well, it's within the year. Time's weird in COVID days, so I'm not sure when, mm. but it's a recent release. It's fucking amazing. Um, uh, our, our buddies, hard to hit. They're going to be coming back around. Um, they had to kind of reschedule and find new people and, and rebuild the band. So our friends in Hard to Hit, they're great. Um, uh, Icona, I guess, is, yeah, Icona is a band, a newer band in San Diego that I've become a big fan of quickly. So they're uh, relatively on the newer set of things. Very, very cool. They're, they've gotten real busy real quick, even during COVID. Like, I love a band that's just like, all right, fine, fuck it. There's no shows, live shows do this, do podcasts, yeah. do acoustic stuff, do what, and they, they rolled with the punches quickly, which I, I respect deeply. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's a couple bands. Sweet. And what yeah. about your beer of the week? All right, man. All right. So here's, here's, this might, uh, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to take this. I am, I live in San Diego. I live in craft beer Mecca. Mike yeah. works for breweries. Uh, Brothgold is a big, uh, beer fan. Um, I drink Miller High Life and Miller Light. <laughs> Yeah. I drink shit beer and I, and I am like violently defensive over the fact that I love it. I have a, I have the worst Miller High Life tattoo in the world on my leg that Let's go. Uh, we got on tour. That's not even finished. It just looks like shit. Me and Mike both got very poor <laughs> High Life tattoos. So beer of the week this week and every fucking week is Miller High Life. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I think I th you're not the only one. I think, I think we also got maybe, uh, this upcoming episode, we got that as well. So I'm glad to hear people are still sticking out with like the, uh, you know, I don't even like the word cheap beer. I, I think uh, economy beer is a cool name for it. Called, hey, you know what? That's not economy. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sitting in the back of the plane. I'm sitting in yeah. economy. No. Nice. Yeah. You know what? Your, your business class beers can go shove it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, I'm a huge Coors Light fan. And so, yeah, again, done, another man. beer people have a very mixed feelings on. Some people are like, that shit, like, got me through, like, my 20s. I love that. And uh, you don't need to, like, drop a crazy amount on a fucking four-pack. Right. You know, just stuff like I that. I also yeah. don't want to feel like I ate an entire loaf of bread if I've drank something. But True. at the same time, like, I've, I've sat in breweries in San Diego, and, like, you hear people, like, the most pretentious, like, oh, I have, like, flavor <laughs> notes of this, and I, I yeah. have a sense of this. And I and I'm like, ah, fuck that guy. But then at the same time, I'll sit around <laughs> with my friends and we'll talk about bands in that same pretentious. Like, I yeah. think their earlier work was actually more indicative of this thing. I'm like, so I'm a hypocrite, just like anything. Yeah, else. you know the uh, compression ratio should have been <laughs> four to four to one instead of a three to eight. You know, Dude, if you want to go, if you want to go compressor talk with me, that's a whole other podcast. I'll start I'm my still own working on that. Talk. Expect oh, a text man. from me because uh, I'm a big proponent of uh, four to one point one. <laughs> 
I go. I, I'm a more, I'm an eight guy. I'm an eight to one crush it ratio okay. kind of guy. Okay. I like to destroy things with compression. I'm a big fan. You know, actually, all right. So not to like bore people to fucking death on this, but for the master track, I do like the eights. For the mm-hmm. bass, I like the fours, and I think for the guitars, I like something in between, like a a five to six. Chris, Chris Lord Algae, uh, the Blue Stripe uh, 1176 Fet Compressor, his go, like his thing never leaves for like he might move the um, the attack time and the release time, but mm. and wow, I, I can't imagine how many listeners you just lost instantly from this. But Chris Lord <laughs> Algae's uh, has one compressor that stays on four to one; it never changes. Everything else changes on it, but it's four to one, no matter if it's vocals, bass, guitar, full mix. So you're you're not you're not the only one of the of the four to one camp fans. I don't even fully understand it. I just saw a YouTube video once, and they're like, if you're recording through Logic, use the like use two compressors for some fucking reason. Set one zero like, compression. Yeah, yeah, it was weird, but uh, I like the tone I got of it, and I didn't have to buy some expensive plugin to do it. Oh, dude, yeah. Are you are you in Logic? Yeah, Logic. Yeah, yeah I just I'm, got I'm on that this year. I'm a myself, man. I live, eat, and breathe Logic, and you can get a shitload done without spending a dime other than the software. Uh, the 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 self yeah. uh, everything in there is, is is perfect. Guitars are fucking hard. Their guitar presets are uh, a little harsh. I'll admit. Yeah. But uh, I've just gone basically. I use pedals and I go direct into the interface, and then I do the amp designer thereafter if I need to. But yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, man. Big fan. <laughs> but all right, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh this has been one of like the most fun conversations I've had, especially now that you know a lot of the same people I know and Dude, like, yeah, we I'm amazed I'm like. at how yeah, we're in a close circle. And and by the way, like I, I had I as you said, this was short notice and I was happy to be here. I appreciate the invitation and I so I had a short amount of time to check out the band and I listened to the podcast episode. Um, and I'm, I'm a fan of both, man. I'm, I'll be listening from here out. Thank you very much, man. So, uh, I'm going to connect with you on socials after this and Sweet. let's stay in touch. Um, and I'll, I'll send over the uh, date that this will be dropping. Awesome, man. I look forward to it. Thanks for the time. All right, man. Have a good night. Thanks, man. Oh, as Mike said, I have to say, I'll see you in hell. Oh yeah. See you that's, in hell, that's guys. That's our sign off. <laughs> Peace. Later, man.